Good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We welcome you back to our series. This is the third week of a series. It's entitled, What If? What if? It's a question mark. What if? And, and we've said in previous weeks, what if typically tends to be something we look back at. What if we had done this? What if we had done something else? What if we hadn't done this other item? But this series is not so much about looking at the past. We're going to be looking more about our future. With God's help, what if we were to, uh, to develop some of these ideas and some of these principles and put these into place? What could we do? What could we become? So, so far we've looked at what if we were truly spirit-led? And we examined how living according to the power of the Holy Spirit would lead and guide and direct us. How ought that to lead us? Last week, we looked at this fact. What would it look like if we forgave like God? For we often forgive, but we kind of forgive our way. What if we were to forgive like God? This morning... We mentioned earlier, we're looking at what if we handled our money God's way. There's a scripture here from Luke chapter 16, verse 11, that gives us our if for the day. Luke 16, 11 says this, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If we're not wise, if we don't handle the stuff here, who would trust us with even further, even greater godly spiritual riches? And so the idea is, how do we handle our resources? How do we handle our finances? And so that is the question this morning. What if we handled our money God's way? So we mentioned that that is kind of the encouragement starting from today. Uh, we're going to be looking at the Word of God. And then we want to help you, as we've mentioned before, this coming Wednesday would be Financial Peace University and the opportunity for you to have some of the practical teaching and having five weeks in a row learning, growing, discussing, and uh, kind of chewing on some of these principles. So this, this is kind of the encouragement uh, to get to God's Word. And then as well, what we want to do is give some of that practical, follow-it-up basis. Because he, here's sometimes what, uh, what individuals might say when it, when it comes to church and we talk about giving. They say, oh, well, the church wants us to give and to, to give of our resources to the Lord, which God's Word teaches about. But we also want to help you not just understand a little bit about what God's Word teaches when it comes to a tithe or giving. What about that other 90%? Well, what about the entirety of what we are entrusted with? How do we handle that in a wise basis? So we're not only looking at what God's Word might teach about when it comes to giving, but how would we oversee the entirety of our resources? And so that's what we're taking a look at this morning. What if we handled our money... God's way. We're going to look at several different uh, principles this morning. Principle number one is this. If we handled our money God's way, we would understand God's ownership. Understand God's ownership. When it comes to favorite words, the word mine sticks out. We hear that word mine a lot from little ones on up. If you've had a little one, a baby going into a toddler... You hear that word mine all the time. 
If it's their toy that was given to them, it's what? Mine. If it's another little baby's toy that your baby sees and wants, that toy is mine. Just just a a clue. The answer to everything I'm going to ask is mine. Okay, so that way you can help me out. Some of you weren't sure, like, is this a test? Okay, so if it's the baby's, it's... If some other baby hasn't and your baby wants it, it's... If... uh, The other baby has a toy and drops it. It's now If you have something that you think is yours, the baby thinks it's really Right. Everything is mine. It's it's grabbing everything. And sometimes that mentality continues with us even as we grow older to where we believe everything we have is Oh, you're doing so good. Here's what Psalm 24.1 says. The earth is, not mine, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God owns it all. You want to know why? He's created it all. Genesis 1.1, very first book of the Bible, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. So very simply put, God owns it all. We tend to think everything is... uh, A little tricky there. It's a whole minute since I asked you a question. Right. We tend to think that everything in this world, it's mine. It's mine. Word of God, we've got to understand God's ownership. God owns it all. Now, take a look around this congregation. We're going to see we've got three groups of people here. All right. So th- th- this is not an exercise in trying to figure out which person's in which group. Just understand, we've got three groups of people represented. One group of people would probably say something like this. It's all mine. Everything I've got, it's what I have earned. It's what I have worked for. It's what I have done. And I'm going to do what I want to do with what I have. Everything is mine. No doubt there's some individuals like that in here. Here's a second group. Okay, maybe it's not quite all mine. I'm, I'll surrender. I'll give, perhaps. I'll, I'll return a tithe to the Lord. Bible teaches about a tithe, 10%. So, so I'll give the tithe, I'll, I'll return the tithe, 10% to the Lord, but that other 90% is what? Mine. So I'll return a portion to God, but that other 90%, that's mine, and again, I'm going to do what I choose, what I want to do with all of that. Probably some individuals that believe that. Here's a third group of people. Third group of people would say, Everything I've got truly belongs to God. It's all His. It's all the Lord's. I'm going to return. I'm going to give as He he commands, as He instructs. And then I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to oversee the rest of it according to God's will, according to God's principles, according to God's Word. Now, we kind of summarize, in the first two groups... We tend to make ourselves the owner and that we, we, t- we share with God. So if you're in the first group and you say, everything is mine, basically, you only share with God if you want to. 
Everything's mine. If I give to God, it's because it's out of the goodness of my heart. I, I might choose to tip God, give God a little something. If I'm, if I'm in the second group, where you say, well, I'm going to return back to God, but everything else is mine. Well, you're giving to, uh, giving to God because you want to, but you view everything else as yours. In the third group, you would view everything as God's. God owns it all. God has created it all. God has blessed us with it all. And instead of me sharing with him out of the goodness of my heart, it's God sharing with me, God blessing me, because it's all his. But what I've been given, what I've been blessed with as, as a job or finances or resources or material possessions, God has blessed and shared and given to me. So it's a complete different change. Our view so much of the time is that everything is ours. It's mine. But we've got to view things. If we're going to take a look and handle finances God's way, we've got to understand that God owns it all. Secondly, if we're going to handle finances and resources God's way, we then need to steward God's resources. That, that word steward or stewardship, we Many times you hear that and think, oh, that means money. Stewardship is, is a clever little pastor church word for money. Here's what stewardship is. Being a steward, definition, stewardship is the responsibility of managing assets, affairs, and property of someone else. Let me say that again. Stewardship is the responsibility of managing the assets, affairs, and property of someone else. So stewardship is not just the churchy word for he's going to take an offering. Stewardship says, I am overseeing all that God owns, but specifically, it's what he has entrusted to me. Because we tend to think it's ours, but it's not really ours. We are overseeing what really is God's. Let me put it to you like this. Stories told of a woman who had finished shopping and returned to her car. Unfortunately, she found four men inside her car. Now, she was ready. You, you talk about being prepared? Check out this woman. She dropped her shopping bags, drew out her handgun, pointed at the men and screamed, I have a gun and I know how to use it. Get out of my car. The men did not wait for a second invitation. They got out, and they ran like crazy. This woman, somewhat shaken, put her gun away, picked up her bags, got inside the car. But no matter how hard she tried, her key would not go into the ignition. And then it dawned on her as she looked around the parking lot. Her car was five parking spots away. Identical brand, identical Model, identical color. She very sheepishly loaded her grocery bags into her own car, drove herself to the police station, and turned herself in. The desk sergeant to whom she was telling the story nearly fell off of his chair laughing as he pointed to the end of the counter where four men were reporting a carjacking <laughs> by an older woman with thick glasses Curly white hair, less than five feet tall, and carrying a large handgun. In the end, no charges were filed. Now we laugh, 
But that principle is very much the same. We think, like she did, that everything is ours. She thought the car was hers, and she was acting as if it was hers. When it comes to our finances, when it comes to our resources, we act as if everything we have is ours. It's mine, and so I'm going to do with it as I choose. God owns it, but God loans it. God entrusts it to us for a while. Here's what Romans 14, 12 says. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. We've been entrusted, certainly entrusted with resources, entrusted with skills and abilities, entrusted with time. We will give an account of what we are doing and how we are utilizing that for the Lord. We're to wisely steward Again, the steward is one who oversees what is truly someone else's. 1 Corinthians 4.2, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. God's desiring that we would be found trustworthy in overseeing what he has entrusted to us. How are we utilizing the time that God's entrusted to us? How are we utilizing the skills and talents and abilities that he's entrusted to us? Many times we, we, we focus on those two and say, I've got to make good use of my time and I've got to make good use of my abilities and serve the Lord. And then we conveniently skip out on the last part. How are we going to oversee and utilize the resources, the finances that God has entrusted to us? We come into this world with nothing. We leave the world with nothing. Everything in between, we are to honor and utilize and do so for the honor and glory of God. How will we steward? How will we oversee God's resources? If we're going to handle our finances and resources and money God's way, we're going to be understanding God's ownership. He owns it. And then secondly, we'll steward, we'll oversee the resources that God blesses us with. And finally this morning, we'll, we'll spend a little time on this. If we're going to handle our resources God's way, then we'll need to follow God's principles. When it comes to stuff, little ones just say everything is mine and do with it as they wish. We're going to look at a, a handful very briefly, a handful of biblical principles as it comes to overseeing our resources. So here's principle number one. Know your stuff. What kind of stuff do you got? Proverbs 27, 23, and 4 says this, Riches can disappear fast, so watch your interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and herds. Now, not everybody today will have flocks and herds. Some of you do and have some animals. But if he were to say this in today's day and age and culture, he might say something more along the lines of, know the states of your stuff. Know about your bank accounts, whether there's checking or savings. Know about any investments you might have. Know about uh, uh, the vehicles that you might have. Know about the place where you might live or stay or rent or own. Know about the material possessions that you would own. Know your stuff. Many times we're, we're not really understanding what's coming in and what's going out. It's just kind of up here. We've got to have a, a firm grasp on our stuff. 
Someone often says money talks. Money doesn't really talk. I've never really heard it talk. But money does sneak away. Money does slip away pretty, pretty quickly. Anybody ever notice that? Money sneaks off. And you look in, and pretty soon, it's not the end of the month, but it's the end of the money. And we have no idea of where or why or how. We've got to know our stuff. If you don't know where your money's going, you might be already headed into trouble. In debt, headed into debt, headed into greater debt, and not even know about it. We've got to begin keeping track of and understanding where our finances go. Know our stuff. Over the years, I've shared, we've been open and honest about our personal finances. 12, 13 years ago, uh, as we found out we were pregnant and, and little Autumn was going to be born in 2006, 2005, we were kind of in this boat. We thought we knew our stuff, but our stuff was up here. Just kind of in, in our minds, in our heads. And then we found out that we were pregnant with Autumn. And did you know this? Did you know that babies are not free? Anybody figure that out? I mean, they, they might be free to you know, create, but maybe not half. Well, let's just put it that way. So, so a baby was about to be born, and this baby was not going to be free, and we realized we were thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. Now, I'm sure none of you can relate to that because you're all debt-free. We were thousands of dollars in debt to a vehicle, thousands of dollars in debt to a credit card, and having our brand-new first little baby and obviously, the first one, you've got to have everything. You need everything for that little one, right? So what do we do? This is the very first thing we started to do. We figured out we need to know our stuff. So we began tracking every dollar, in fact, every penny. What's coming in? What she was making, what I was making, what's going out? And we would track. At first, it was on paper, just a plain old sheet of notebook paper, two columns, income expenses, Real high-tech stuff. Pen or pencil. Pencil you can erase. And we would track everything. If I got a 99 cent or $1.29 cappuccino, you'd write it down. Go to McDonald's for three, four bucks, five bucks, write it down. And we began to understand the stuff we had and where the stuff was going. So the first step is, is kind of getting an accurate picture of your stuff. What kind of records do you have? So as we began on paper, we didn't stay there. Now, I will say this. If you are going to know your stuff, chances are you're going to be a little surprised at what you find. Because you think, just like we thought, we're doing great. Isn't that a picture of, of America today? Many individuals in debt to their eyeballs, and we think we're doing great. We thought we're doing great. And we began to see that what's going out was greater than what was coming in. And we began to find certain categories. We needed to know our stuff. Started on paper, graduated to a computer. We've got a, a Microsoft money finance program, created some little categories. And for the last 12 years, we've used a computer. And on a regular basis, we put in what comes in and what goes out. And I still keep track of those 99 cents or $1.29 cappuccinos or those $1 
medium iced coffees from McDonald's. We track every single one of those so that we know our stuff, just like what Proverbs was saying. I don't have flocks or herds, but I might have hamburgers and coffees. So we've got to know our stuff. If we're going to have and handle our resources God's way, start by knowing your stuff. Know where you're at. Secondly, make a plan. Make a plan. It's telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. It's been said that 68% of people don't have a budget, don't have a plan for where their finances go. That might even be low. In other words, a vast majority of people have no plan. They don't know what's coming in. They don't know what's going out. So they completely skip the first part. They don't know their stuff. And since they don't know their stuff, they don't have a plan in place. Proverbs 21.5 says this, Plan carefully and you will have enough. If you act too quickly, you'll never have enough. If you act too quickly, you'll never have enough. That's impulse. Boy, don't we love impulse? Uh, we're all susceptible. We can go to the dollar store to get one or two items and walk out with $25. Because it's all just a dollar. We can go to the grocery store. I was, I was infamous for this. Kim would say, can you stop by the store? I need this and this. And I'd walk through the store to get this and this and end up with some ice cream on sale and end up with some, you know, and I'd come back with two bags. It's on sale. I saved money. Uh, make a plan. We've got a plan. Once we started tracking where our stuff was and where our stuff was going together, this wasn't one person dictating. It was together. We put a plan in place. We said, okay, here's, much we have, here's how much we have coming in. So we need to spend that much or less going out. Now let's start, let's start saying, what are we spending that on? Well, you've got food and shelter and clothing and vehicles and giving and our new little one. And we start putting a bunch of different categories and we, we kind of estimated maybe what that would be. And we put a budget, in other words, a plan that says, here's what we're going to spend in these categories. Having a, a plan in place. Financial freedom is not determined by how much you make. Financial freedom is determined by how much you spend. Because here's, here's the truth. Our yearnings will always exceed our earnings. We always want more stuff than we truly can get, right? I mean, it goes without saying, it goes without fail, whatever it is. If we buy five items at the dollar store, we had our eyes on a sixth or a seventh or an eighth. If we buy $100 of, of grocery at the supermarket, we had our eyes on another 10 or 20 or $30 of stuff. There's always more stuff than what we're able to actually purchase. So the plan says, here's what we've got to work with, and we're going to make sure that we spend within that. Many times people say, well, if I just made more money, well, that, that's true, more money can help, but guess what always happens when you make more money? You spend even more. So if you can't make it with what you're making now, you're never going to make it on what you're hoping to make then. You've got to have a plan. So wherever you're at right now, 
And it's probably different. You look around, there's all different circumstances. But wherever you're at, make a plan. Here's what we've got coming in. And based on that, let's try to portion out a plan. Society doesn't like plans. I've never seen a commercial that says, put me in your budget. Wait six months. And if, if it's still something you want, buy us six months from now. Never seen a commercial like that. What do the commercials say? Or what do they imply? I'm good. I'm awesome. You can't make it without me. Buy it now. You don't have the money? Put it on your credit card. You need this. In fact, you need two of me. You need three of me. You need one in every size. You need one in every color. Buy me, buy me, buy me now. True? Commercials and advertising share with us. The plan says... Here's what we've got coming in. Let's be careful about what we have going out and make a plan. That's what we began to do. We jotted everything down on paper so we knew our stuff. We made the plan and we began to reduce what was going out. Not so that it was equal to what was coming in, but we reduced it to make it less than what was coming in. And little by little, you begin chipping away at those debts, begin chipping away and paying off that vehicle, begin chipping away and paying off those credit card debts. Was it instantaneous? Was it a, a one month, two month? Was it even a one year turnaround? It took us a while. But faithfully tracking and knowing our stuff, faithfully making a plan, we became debt free except for our home. We paid off thousands of dollars of a vehicle. We paid off thousands of dollars of credit card by knowing our stuff, making a plan, and sticking to it. Thirdly, if we want to follow God's principles and, and handle finances his way, that does involve giving to God. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if, there's another if, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, there will not be room enough to store it. Pretty much the only place in Scripture God says, test me in this. Bring the tithe. Return that to the storehouse. And see if I won't bless beyond measure. So many times we're saying, boy, I'm not sure if I can. I'm not sure if I can afford to. The way I'm reading Scripture the way God's word teaches, I'm not sure that I could afford not to. Now, God owns it all, right? God could have said, bring 50%. We'd say, well, we'd have a heart attack. God says, return 10%. You know, the, the thought, maybe you've ever bought something for a child. Uh, you're, you're at the supermarket or you're at a fast food place and you, know, you, you buy a thing of fries or, or you buy a, a, a milkshake or, or a, a slushie or something. So you buy that. You've got the resources and you buy that for a child. Have you ever asked for a bite or for a taste and for them to say no? I mean, I just bought you a whole mess of fries. I want like two fries. They're my fries. I just bought you that whole ice cream. I want a scoop. That's my ice cream. We chuckle. We say, don't you understand? 
I, I could buy you a thousand ice creams. I could buy you a thousand french fries. I really just want to taste. And we do that same thing with God. God owns it all. God, God supplies it all. God entrusts us. And he, he says to return a portion back to him. Oh, God, I can't do that. No way I could, I could afford to give you 10%. God might feel exactly the same way as a parent. Somebody says, hey, have a fry, have a taste. I can supply you with so much more than what I've even asked you to return. The tithe is that portion we bring back to the Lord. It really, it's a statement of faith in God. When we tithe, what we're doing is we're saying, I trust you. The word of the Lord earlier this morning was lean into him, trust in him. When we tithe, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I trust you. I trust that as I return this 10% to you, leaving me with this 90% to oversee, I trust that you're going to help me to make it on that. God's math is so incredible. Because so many people would say, God, I can't afford to tithe. I've got so many bills, there's no way that I could give 10%. I'm not making it on 100%. How in the world could I ever give to God? Let me ask you. Maybe that's why you're not making it on your 100%. Boy, it gets awful quiet when we start talking about God's word and finances. The truth of the matter is, God is able to help us in our 90% much greater than we can oversee 100% on our own. Scripture is is clear about returning and, and giving to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all of your income, and he'll fill your barns to overflow. We've talked about this in some of our little stewardship moments and stewardship teachings about giving the first part. It's not the last part. It's it's not the leftovers. It's not, well, God, if there's anything left at the end of the week, if there's anything left at the end of the month, uh, maybe I'll give you a a few dollars. It's trusting in him. It's faith in him saying, God, I'm going to give to you first. I'm going to oversee the rest to the very best of my ability as you will help me in that. So if we're going to handle our resources and these principles God's way, we've got to know our stuff, make a plan, give to God, save for later. Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise man saves for the future. It's a mark of, of a wise individual not to spend everything that they have. So we're thankful for how God's blessed us. We return a portion of that faithfully to the Lord. We, we try to oversee what he's given us and then try to direct a portion of that to savings. We can save certainly for an emergency fund. We can save for some particular purchases. There's, there's something you might want in, in uh, housing or in a vehicle or in something for your, your housing or some kind of item. We can save up for certain purchases. We can save up maybe for the future whether that's for uh, retirement or for some kinds of savings or, or some kinds of investment. So saving can be a portion of what we would do. That's a wise step to do. It's also a challenge because we see what other people have and we want what other people have. And so the tendency can be to, to keep spending more and more as opposed to saving. But it's wise that there would be some portion set aside for some of those items. Know your stuff. 
Make a plan. Give to God. Save for later. Here's one final challenging principle. Live content. Live content. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, It's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. See, we're hopefully to enjoy whatever it is that we do have. Sometimes what we don't have keeps us from enjoying what we do have. We're, we're blessed in, in many different areas, and, and certainly not everybody has the, the same kinds of stuff or same amount of stuff. But whatever the stuff is that you have, it's so easy to look to someone else and say, wow, they've got more stuff. Or they've got nicer stuff. Or they got that stuff earlier than I got my stuff. We can always look at somebody else's stuff and kind of have that desire, that yearning. We're encouraged and taught to live in contentment. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. We're assured of his presence with us. And the encouragement is to be content. Whatever stuff that we have, let's be content. Many times, by not being content, we, we make some bad choices. We make some bad decisions. I've been there too. You might not be in the, the greatest financial setting but you're going and buying stuff whether we need it or not uh, i've shared with you before humorously how we were in debt we talked about thousands to the credit card and and thousands to our uh to our vehicle and, and we bought our our dog our first dog together buttons and how do we pay for buttons put them on the credit card <laughs> we were making payments on our little pet you see wanting stuff. It, it, maybe it's not an animal. It could be other things. But many times, by virtue of things that we hope for or desire or want, we overextend ourselves, getting into trouble many times, getting into debt. God's word, God's plan, God's principles will help in our finances. They work. Are they easy? Shake your head back and forth. And say, no, they're not easy. Did we instantaneously get thousands upon thousands of dollars in debt? No, it took some time. It took some effort, right? We had some fun buying and spending things to get thousands of dollars in debt. So to get out of debt, is it always going to be fun? And is it going to be instantaneous? Probably not. If we know our stuff, if we make a plan, if we faithfully give to God, faithfully set aside and save for the future, and faithfully seek to live content, those are principles that will help, principles that will guide us. What would happen if we handled finances God's way? What would happen if every single individual would live out the principles found in God's word? There would be some differences. There would be some shifts in families, in homes, in finances. There would be some differences in, in shifts in giving and in blessing. 
some differences and shifts in contentment in individuals with plans. God's word has a lot to say. Yes, God's word has a lot to say about salvation and what Jesus Christ did upon the cross. And we can follow after those spiritual principles. God's word also has a lot to say about finances. And if we were to live after and follow after God's word in our finances, he would help and guide and bless and direct us forward in him. 